Welcome to Agile in Toronto at night, a badass Agile show. This is where you get to go behind the scenes and into the minds of some of this city's most compelling Agile and business leaders. My guest this week is a good friend and colleague, Adam Smith. I was lucky to work with Adam a few years back on some very large and high profile projects, and I really respect his work. Adam is now the founder and president at Tension, a local design firm that democratizes great design and experience for startups and brands of all sizes. Now the table's about ready, so let's kick back, grab your favorite drink, and join me as I welcome Adam Smith. Adam Smith, how you doing, brother? I'm doing very well, and yourself? I'm doing great. Hey, it's good to see you, my friend. It's been too long. It has. It has. Uh, We had the pleasure of working together a couple of times, and I really enjoyed working with you. If I can be candid, I kind of like your style, and I like what you do, and I like the way you do it. And uh, I wanted to, to dig into this, you know, now that it's been a little while in isolation and we haven't worked together in a little bit, I just wanted to catch up, see what you're doing, because you've got a new thing going and I want to hear all about it. So my friends, please, you know, welcome my friend Adam Smith. <clears throat> uh, what would you call yourself even? Is it designer? Is it, uh, you know, UX expert? At this point, you're an entrepreneur. What's on your, what's on your business card these days? Uh it's difficult to quantify. Um, I think I'm going by founder of um, Tension right now. Um, you know, I, I think I've had the opportunity to do so many different things in my career, um, and each of them has built upon what I learned previously, and it just has evolved so tremendously in, in a very sort of natural fashion. Um, you know, originally I went to school for graphic design. Um, and that was my my uh, my go-to. And you know, I got into the web in the early '90s, um, as as you know, a designer at that time would have done. And from there, it became building HTML and learning backend um, to you know trying to take the 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 design side of things to a whole different level. And you know, that brought me into user experience, which you know has been pretty much my go-to and, and my uh, my wheelhouse for the last 15 or so years. Um, now I do CX um, and a little bit of product uh, as well. Um, so I'm, I'm somewhat all over the map, but it's really very focused on creating uh, the best net new products I can uh, for my clients. So. Yeah, that's. I don't know how to qualify it. That's okay. I, I, you know, the, you know, genie sat large maybe would be the best thing. Uh, but I, you know what I, I can't help but think is that this is a relatively new space. If you think about it, let's call it, you mentioned the 90s, so let's go back just a touch further. But late 80s, you know, when computers really hit, even let's even talk early websites. It's fair to say that UX, CX wasn't a thing. I mean, websites were just, here's the text. Did it evolve naturally from the inception of the web or was it something that was around much earlier, but in a different form? This is something I don't know a lot about the history of. So how did it, how did we get here? So, I mean, from a user experience perspective, it really came out of the need to develop a method for human beings to interact with computers in general. Um, So, you know, like the Xerox parks, um, the apples of the world, um, where where everything that we're used to today is pretty much forged. Um, 
you know, it's 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 ironic when you think about it. Like today, one of the biggest buzzwords um, and uh, fads in terms of uh, com human computer interaction is is augmented reality and virtual reality. Um, you know, when they were first trying to figure out how humans would interact with computers, the first thing they did was build a headset and put it on someone's head and try to display the information in, in three-dimensional space because that was what humans expect. Um, so we had to go in a very, very different, I say we, I wasn't part of that, obviously. Um, but the, the human-computer interaction had to go in a very different model and, and direction to, to get to a point where we could translate the two-dimensional screen into things that are understandable and usable by computers, uh, by humans, which is how we got today's desktops, files, and folders. Um, and, you know, we're coming full circle. We're coming for, for full circle back to the uh, the augmented reality because the computing power is finally caught up. Finally there, right. Well, let's talk about your career arc, especially the latest part of it, because here's what I'm fascinated with is with the past two years i think business has been reinvented and re reimagined in many ways we've learned that we can work remotely if we have to even in areas that used to be high touch but we've also seen i think a, a resurgence or an insurgence of people believing that hey i don't need to work for a big firm to make impact i don't have to necessarily work with the big brands and or i don't need a broker to get me into some of those big brands I can do this myself. I'm happy and I'm comfortable taking a bit of a risk, putting out my own shingle and doing it. And I, I don't know if I'd have asked you maybe three years ago, if you'd have said definitely someday, I'm going to run my own shop. But you started without, if I remember when it all went down on LinkedIn and you're like, here's my thing. This is my, you know, doors are open. Um, you, you, it was just you. And I imagine it was probably challenging if not i can only speak from my own experience it's terrifying at times so can you can you share what that experience was like like how did it go down for you sure um so i mean if if we take it back uh quite a bit further um i originally started out um doing small small uh jobs at like doing interface design and, and stuff um in web companies and and got relatively frustrated um, with the lack of um, really trying to make very high quality products. Um, and that led me to believe, uh, to, to go down a path to create my first company, which was uh, Liquid Reality back in 95. And I ran that for about 18 years, maybe 19. Um, and it was, uh, it was a good run, um, but I had, a, I had my son um, and I was working from home most of the time, and I found it very difficult to um, to focus on going out and getting new business um, when I could hang out with a one-year-old or a two-year-old. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, I thought about my options and, and, you know, decided to try the client side. Um, and to be honest, you know, to the best of my efforts, it wasn't, uh, didn't end up being a great fit. Um, and really, I think what it all boils down to for me is it's, it's about quality and it's about uh, purpose and it's about driving significant value um, in everything that we do. And I, I just came to the realization when COVID hit that this was the greatest opportunity for me to dig in um, and get prepared uh, to, to, to launch tension. 
Um, and you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be able to, to build the majority of it with, um, with my business partner, Glenn, um, who I've been great friends with for uh, two decades. That's amazing. Um, yeah, and you know, together we we originally looked at it as potentially a software as a service uh, kind of model, um, where we would create infrastructure and um, processes for design and, and product-based companies um, to to facilitate their operations in a remote environment. Um, and once we were in the middle of mapping that, it's like, well, why why do we want to give this away? Why don't why don't we just use this to build our own stuff because that was always in the back pocket as well um so that's how tension got started and um we just sort of ran with it and it's been it's been a marathon ever since uh august of last year it sounds like you have really i mean you've you've grown so quickly but i want <clears throat> i want to double back before we go too far there let's talk about that fit because I think you said something important. It wasn't a fit. Doing the client side work, <clears throat> I don't think it was a great fit is how you phrased it. Do you think that that lack of fit, in fact, what I'm going to call that tension, is the like the rounding of the corner, the realization, the aha moment that should lead most people to say, let me get out of here. I want to stop thinking and being like an employee and go do my own stuff find my own clients i want to own it all i want the good and the bad was that a, was that kind of a realization for you yeah um you know in, to the best of my efforts um i you know I, I i don't get me wrong like together with with the organizations that i worked with we did phenomenal work um you know the what you and i um off in the in the east coast mm. um we did some really great things out there, um, but in terms of my my satisfaction, um, my motivation, um, and my drive, uh, working in the fashion that we worked was really just not giving me the gas that I needed, um, and that that. You know, it, it turned out that you know, it, for me, my performance um, at uh, at work was probably not where it should have been um, because it was just I didn't have that passion. Um, and now, since August, that's it's just been a hundred percent passion, um, and I, I believe it shows. Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it does. I mean, you sound happy, and and that makes me happy for you. Can I ask you a question? What the name tension? Where'd that come from? Huh. Um, so, a couple things. One, it's kind of a, an inside joke reference to um, the fact that in certain situations, working with me in general just can be tense. Um, <laughs> just you know, I'm because I'm 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 very uh, I'm very intense, um, and I have strong opinions, and um, you know, I fight for what I believe, and really don't handle office politics very well um, but the idea is really it comes from the understanding of the need not to have and this is it's 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 about collaboration and um, you know when we look at technology or we look look at uh, design or we look at business or product um, you know all of these roles need the same information and the same understanding of purpose and value um, and oftentimes, <clears throat> even in a more agile f 
format, the responsibilities are are held by one group and then handed off to the other. Um, and the the purpose and value often gets diluted. So when you bring all of the people together um, from technology, from design, from CX, from product, there will be tension. Um, but that tension is beautiful because what it allows to happen is organically, everyone works together um, to, to build the best product and everyone is an equal partner in doing so. Um, you know, I like to think of it, it's, it's better than balance. Um, I like to think of it as, um, you know, the tension in a sail on a sailboat, um, it's what, it's what moves you. And, um, it sounds corny, but, uh, you know, these are, these are the, the fundamental things that we believe in. And it's about, um, keeping that tension between customer desire, customer need and, and business, uh, objectives and, and return on investment. And if you can keep that, t- that line tense, then everyone's winning. That makes sense to me. And I think it's cool that you can have your vision and your driving principles all encapsulated in a word that you have to look at every day as a reminder of what you stand for. I think that's neat. Uh, Would you say that you are slightly more art, slightly more tech, or a perfect balance of the two? I never call myself perfect in anything, Chris. Um, (laughs) But um, I don't know. I don't don't know if I could quantify, like I I could say I'm one or the other. Um, you know, I, I think to be a good designer, you have to understand business, um, to be a good, um, product designer, you have to understand the technologies that you're working with. Um, you know, to, to under, to be a good user experience designer, you have to understand a handful of psychology. Um, there's so many different things that, that come into play, um, that I don't know, I don't know if it just makes me a more wholesome UX designer uh, or a more um, wholesome visual designer. But, you know, if you think about the greats um, in any of their fields, it's it's because they've abstracted themselves beyond the borders of um, what would traditionally be put in in their in their box. You know, Um, everything interests me. so I, I think everything I learn, and, and more importantly, everything that I learn that's outside of um, traditionally what I do day to day, is what makes me better uh, at what I do. Um, you know, I can I can learn something about securities um, in the financial industry, and then ironically be able to use that ten years later and apply it to um, the the buying and selling of meat. Um, I, it's not necessarily something that I could draw a direct correlation or, or causation from learning to being able to abstract ideas. But um, deeply inside, I know that the more I learn, the better I'm going to be, no matter, no matter whether it's, it's in what I do or, or it's arm's length. You know, I have a question for you. you. You could open a business and sell hubcaps, but how important is obsession in building what you've built? Uh, for me, Chris, I think it's I think it's absolutely everything. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I everything that I do, every product that I work on, um, I try to make that the best I possibly can. And then, you know, that's my that's my marketing, right? It's mm-hmm. I couldn't I couldn't get up at five o'clock in the morning um, and push push something out 
uh, for a for a workshop at nine, or or work until four thirty in the morning when when I have to. Uh, hopefully, it's not often, but um, if you have to get it done and and make sure that it's getting done right, um, without obsession, I I, I don't know uh, how you can call yourself an expert in your field. Um, I don't know how you get to become an expert in your field without obsession. Um, and, you know, yeah, unhealthy, per perhaps, sometimes. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's what it's what pushes me. It's what motivates me. And it's what makes me ensure that, you know, what I'm doing is, you know, I'm not striving for perfection. Um, I'm striving for value. You know, oh, that's I think awesome. there's a very important distinct distinction there. Say that again. So I'm, I'm not striving for perfection. I'm striving for value. There you go. I think that's so important because if you get stuck up on perfection, we never leap, we never deliver. We're never certain. We're never confident in the stuff that we build. But if you're focused on driving value, it's as easy as asking your customer, what's important to you? What is done and done well look like? And hey, if I ship you a couple of copies early and you can give me some feedback just in case I don't understand, or you didn't communicate it well, we got plenty of time to fix this up and make it the value that you were hoping for and dreaming of. 100%, 100%. And, and what about stretching? Like when we talk about obsession, I think obsession permits the long hours, the blows to the neck and to the side of the head, you know, that you take when you get all the rejection, when you have all the customer complaints, when you have all the admin work that you don't want to do, all of those things that most people would be like, ugh, that sounds awful. Maybe it's not for me. Maybe I should just, you know, hang my coat up at some at some office and let someone else dictate how far I can go and how big I can strive. Not to knock down anyone's if you if you're joyful working for another organization, that's amazing. But when you meet people who are like, I kind of want to do my own thing, but I won't because dot, dot, dot. Uh, I think obsession takes the edge off of all the nasty stuff. It's almost like a painkiller. What about stretching and growing? Since you have gone out on your own, are there things that two years ago you're like, I don't need to get good at that. And I don't want to get good at that. And now you're like, oh, I have to get good at that. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you know, I think I think some of the things that I've 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 done more so in the last two years is uh, being a better. Um, uh, I I don't know how to say or how to explain it, but um, being better at bringing my customers along for the ride. Um, you know, one thing that historically um, and in retrospect, of course. Um, I, I always did poorly with was, um, I would, I knew I had an idea and I knew it was going to work or I had a very good idea that it would work. Um, and I knew it would take a leap and I would go and I would dig myself into a tunnel, um, and, and emerge afterwards with this solution. Um, and you know, often more often than not, you know, walk the client through it and they're like, yeah, that's great. Um, it, it, sound, it sounds perfect, it's a good fit. Um, but many times what, what happened was when I'm not there to explain this idea because it was such a leap from where we were to, to where we ended up, um, a lot was lost in, um, in, in translation. And um, you know, the buy-in begins to wane. Um, so you can come in and you can do your big pitch of your great idea, 
Um, but unless you're bringing your customer along with you every single step of the way, um, that that wow factor when you show something that's that's a that's a that's a big jump um, can can dwindle, and they begin to question. Um, and because you didn't bring them along the way, um, because you didn't have that partnership as you went, um, that faith can in in the in the product or solution can dwindle as well. Um, so one of the things that we're, we're very focused on at Tension is making sure that not only are we working together with our, with our clients uh, and our stakeholders, but we're bringing them along um, in the, the idea creation process and what's leading us from A to B. It's not about documentation. It's about ensuring that you know, we don't go away for one day and come back with something that's just such a, su such a stretch. Um, that it's 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 a little bit more difficult than necessary to, for for the client to, to stay connected to that idea. Uh, so you know, we, we we build as much as we can with the client. We make sure that we're we're keeping them informed. And if if there's something that we just sort of take for granted, we're we're trying to make sure that we we inform um, our clients uh, of of how we got where we were going um, and why. You know, um, the flip side of that though. Like bringing it back to obsession and stretch, um, I think, you know, you said that it was a painkiller. I, I, I kind of think, I think of it as kind of a blindfold. <laughs> um, you know, it's that obsession that, you know, it 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 distracts you from the from the potential of failure um, because it doesn't matter. Um, with obsession, you know, and it's it's more about the act or the effort or the attempt um and the same goes for passion as well uh it's not about an outcome you know it's i mean obviously it's always about outcomes but um it's about you know being willing to roll up your sleeves walk into a situation that you're not 100 percent familiar with um and have have the faith that your obsession will get you to where you need to be to be able to solve that problem um and you know i've i've done that throughout my career and, and taken on very very different types of work in the same way that i i like to do different types of uh different types of things and i like to learn different types of things i've, I've tried to take on a tremendous variety um and you know some of the more exciting things in my career have been the things that i had absolutely no idea about um, you know, working with Sick Kids uh, Hospital on uh, a diabetes management application for kids. Like, I didn't know anything about diabetes. Um, you know, working with uh, one of the large uh, securities uh, banks in Canada to, to, to design one of the first derivatives visual um, user interfaces um, that wasn't green line. I, I didn't know anything about it. By the end of it, I thought, you know, maybe I'll take my, uh, my Canadian securities exam. Um, I didn't, um, obviously. But I, I remember um, that feeling. I worked for a client in capital markets, and I was so fascinated with the energy of those folks and the deep knowledge that they had. And the deep—it was almost like an obsession, but for money. And you know, at the time, it was algorithmic trading was a new thing. And I remember thinking, man, I want to get in. I really want to understand this better because I'm a big believer that I don't have to know how to do what you do to help you do it better. But at the same time. It's like you almost owe it to your clients to get knowledgeable and versed in what they're passionate about and see where it comes from. Get under the hood a little bit. Does that happen yeah. for you as well? 
It does, it does. But I think there's a balance that you have to find. Um, you know, I, I, I think learning, learning enough uh, or just enough um, about an industry or, or what, what the client's trying to do is important. But at the same time, the novice and the fresh set of eyes, especially in, in what I do, um, and I would imagine it's probably not a unique benefit, but um, to be able to come in and not be confined by um, the ways things have always been done um, or, or the ways that this is just how it is. Um, you know, I love to not have that because it gives me um, such an openness to, to potential opportunity. I, I can look at it something more, more logically or more um, abstractly, if you will, um, and, and find different ways to solve the same problem. That perhaps if I dove really deep and became an expert in a particular field, um, I'd just be, you know, applying what I learned on the last client and, uh, you know, just replicating the same thing over and over and over again. And that's, that doesn't feed my, my uh, obsession. Exactly. <laughs> I heard something really important in what you said there, that you don't want to be bound by the way we've always done things or the way we expect or believe they must be done. I think when you take those fences down, you can ask much better questions. This might be hard to answer quickly, but what are your favorite questions, even if it's just one or two you can think of? Uh, I mean, obviously, why is my favorite, um, but that's probably pretty generic. Um, I, 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 one of the things that I, I really like to get at is um, what the purpose is, um, and why are you why are you as a business doing this, or why is it that you're offering this product or service? Um, and you often have to ask quite a few times because, uh, depending on the age of the organization or, or whom you're speaking to, it, it can get like the real reason, like the value that this creates, can get lost. Um, and even that discussion and, and helping clients reconnect with their values is tremendously rewarding in and to itself. Um, but you know that's where you get to the meat of of what what you can bring to the table um, from a design or a customer experience standpoint. Um, and I don't know, like I mean, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that I have a set of questions. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of feel more like a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Um, I like to listen and I like to dig when there's something that I that, that sparks my interest or intrigue or, or something that, that is potentially something I don't really understand um, to sort of dive into that um, and just let it all sort of mix and marinate. Um, I'd love to say I have a set of questions better. No, no, no. That's why I thought it would be hard to answer, but it's almost like a mixture when you, like a holy triangle, when you say there's the obsession, there's the ability to stretch and grow, and then there's the curiosity that you attested to. So not a specific set of questions, but a general desire to listen more, spend more time with your ears open than with your mouth open. And then when things pop up, that need to be questioned, you're, you're fearless and courageous to go ask them. I think those are important characteristics, especially if you want to run your own show and deal with customers and and innovate for them. Uh, all the agilists in the room are going to want to hear this question, I think. How do CX, UX, how, yeah, how do CX and UX integrate with agile methods of delivery? Because I know there can sometimes be a clash when we say, well, look, I can't, I can't just make 
one user persona and pick one brand color and go build you some stuff. There's some things that we got to research and do up front. So have you seen any approaches to that integration that work really well for you? Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, um, at the earliest stage, um, you need to have the development team in the room um, as part of strategy. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, development is left out um, of, of those deep business and customer experience strategy conversations, which is a tremendous loss, to be honest, for anyone. Um, because, you know, you could have a bunch of people sitting in a room coming up with the greatest strategies in the world that are based on whims and wishful thinking. Um, but if you have someone who's who's there who can work um, work with those ideas and, and, and um, speak to them in the same fashion from, from a value perspective, but bring that technical perspective to the table, two beautiful things happen. One, your strategy gets legs. Um, and you know you're you're building towards uh, at least conceptually something that's that's feasible, feasible and and uh, more likely viable. Um, but the other thing is is once you know the the work hits that sort of agile production stage, um, you know it, there's that value is built all the way from you know, your product to your to your CX, to your design, to like UX and right into into the development team. And it's not about it it stops being about like what is the next like asset that you need to deliver to us. It's about how do we build this product and get it out the door and deliver the right value. And then what I've seen is development becomes part of the conversation, part of um, the drive to make the best types of product. Um, and it's not about them coming to a designer or a UX designer asking for assets so they can continue. It's, I think we could do this or we need to do this or this is another way we can do it. And it becomes a conversation um, between groups of people that are trying to do the same thing. And when you can get that, it's magic. I mean, I, this is not new to anyone, um, but the reality is it's it's still rather rare. Yeah, that's true. I was going to ask you about that. Thinking about, you know, quote unquote, getting it. People who get the value of what you do versus those who don't. Are there misconceptions still about UX and CX and product design? Uh, are some people missing the boat by failing to take that investment seriously? Yeah. So, I mean, I could go on all the time about not um, not seeing uh, our value, um, whether it be in any of those roles. Um, but I'm a strong believer and it's nobody else's responsibility to to understand your value. It's your responsibility to present it and display it. That's a good point. Um, so, I mean, we can't do that. You know, uh, I can't do that for the entire industry, but um, individuals within these roles can do that for themselves, which will then do it for the industry. Um, but you know, it's, it's, that's, it's really a tough one. I, I mean, I've, I've, I've seen, you know, situations in the last few years where, um, like development is, you know, more, um, more guarded, uh, than they were even in the early two thousands. Um, and it's, it's like, there's no way in and there's no way out. 
Um, you know, it's it's really just a black box and you just hand stuff over. There's there's very little in, in desire for communication or or discussion. Um, and it's 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 painful, you know, to, to watch something that, you know, we could be building together, just go in and come out the other side with all sorts of decisions made because they weren't part of the, the strategy or the design. Um, so it's 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 not as it's we're not as far ahead as I thought we were going to be. In fact, I think we've done a little bit of a, a full circle in a lot of ways, um, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, whether we call it agile or, or wagile or fragile, whatever <laughs> the situation may be. Um, you know, I, I think organizations are still trying to figure it out, uh, especially larger organizations. Um, but, you know, there's there at the end of the day, there's still just this complete um, responsibility upon um, a development team being one of the last links in the chain that, that is just, um, it's very, very difficult, but I've seen quite a lot of very protectionist behaviors happening. And I, I wish I could say it was one or two places, but it, it just hasn't been. Which leads me to the point that you always say in Agile, there's no such thing as Agile problems, only people problems. You've hinted a couple of times, you may not even realize it till you go back and hear it. You've hinted it a couple of times that it's not really the process or the structures or the, um, I don't know, the, 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 the jargon that you use. It is all about your ability to handle that tension between yourself and the client between their objectives and your capabilities, et cetera, et cetera. You've mentioned it a few times that it's really the most important thing you do is add value. Yeah. Yeah. I have two more questions for you. And the first one's kind of a, a bigger one. There's something unique about what you do, because I think a lot of people can consider, as we mentioned, that this whole user experience thing can be expensive or be a bit of a luxury. And for some companies, it's actually straight up not affordable. And I think you did something really clever to break yourself into the market and get out there adding value without trying to pitch these big million dollar engagements or $5 million engagements. Can you explain what you do that's different than what everyone else does? Yeah. So, you know, um, it's a, it's a very good, um, intro. Um, one of the things that, that we realized very early, um, because, and it, it stems very much from us wanting to be, um, as, as close to the ground with startups as we possibly can. Um, but, you know, working with early stage startups where uh, who generally don't have access to um, experienced or, or senior user experience or customer experience um, uh, resourcing and don't have the, the funds to support that kind of a hire. Um, you know, we looked at um, a different model um, and, you know, it's not a new model. It's been used in other areas, um, mostly in financial. Um, so, um, you know, there's lots of, uh, other, other roles that are using this model, but it, it, it's a fractional model. So, um, instead of, you know, going out and hiring a director of user experience or a director of customer experience, um, they can, they can come to attention and get access to, um, somebody who has multiple decades of experience in the industry. Um, and. Uh, have access to that to, to, to our resources 
um, for as long or, or as short as they need on, a, on an ongoing, almost subscription basis. Um, so, you know, we see a lot of our clients picking up either, um, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week. Um, and either we work with their internal teams, which they can bring in, you know, uh, more junior designers um, to sort of manage the, the production and, and handling of the day-to-day. But from, from, a, from a senior leadership perspective in, in UX design and, and CX, uh, we're able to come in for one or two days, um, work with uh, clients uh, to, to understand what their long-term goals are and, and work with them outside of the confines of a, of a standard engagement. It's, you know, we're not coming in for five weeks, we're gonna hammer stuff out and then we're gonna run out the door. We're, we're there, we're there to support you long-term. Um, and what that does is, is one, it, it selfishly, it gives us access to the kind of projects we wanna work on yeah. and the type of clients we wanna work on. Um, but it also keeps us very close um, to, to where we can really add the most value. Because when you think about UX and product and CX, there's a few points in, in the life cycle of a product where um, that value is tremendous. And it, it's, it's often right from the beginning. You know, if you can set yourself up with the right kind of UX foundation, um, the right kind of customer service and customer engagement and, and service blueprinting around that uh, early, then, you know, building on that you know, you're not going to get to a point where you build your, your company too tall and the foundation can't support it and you have to start over. Um, alternatively, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of opportunities around when um, a company is repositioning itself or um, expanding into another market and, and, and they need to change the way their, uh, their digital properties engage with their customers. Um, that's a very good opportunity for us to come in as well. Um, but it's really, it's really about trying to help the, our, our, our customers and, and more often not the startup market um, get access to the resources that they need um, at a rate that's reasonable for them. Right. So it democratizes professional quality user experience, customer experience. I'm going to, I'm going to use that, Chris. Awesome. I, I was the whole time you were, th- you're, you were talking, I'm like, what word can I use that'll impress the hell out of Adam? So we found it, which is great. Uh, the, the other thing that I really liked about that model is when we think about startups, if, you know, because you and I are both startups in a way, isn't it great to have a real human service, not a bot or an AI or a, you know, a cloud-based service that, as you mentioned, you even thought about that. But it's great to have a human service that you can go and say, I need this. I just don't need it at the full bore level, but I know it's valuable. So I want it and I want to make it easy. I want someone who's there with me for the whole ride, but I just don't want to spend to have their, you know, them in a seat for eight hours a day uh, for the next six months, a year, whatever. So I think that's a great opportunity and it's really sensitive to the way that you know, at this point, if you have a software project that's running for a year and a half, there's a small chance you're doing something wrong. We should be able to deliver value to the market much, much faster than historically we have done. And I'm so fascinated by the way that a fractional model could allow them to do that for much, much, much cheaper. I hate to use the word cheaper, but it's more cost effective for companies. Yeah, I, I prefer cost effective, but uh, <laughs> um but yeah, no, it's 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 about what's needed, you know. Um, 
and it, it just fits it fills a gap that's out there right now um and and you know uh, again I, I can't go i can't say it enough like for us to be able to constantly be working with um startups that are just as hungry uh and just as eager um to to move and push boundaries uh as as we are with tension it, it's it's just it's hand in glove more often than not um and it's it's just it's infectious and it it feeds our own fires yeah i can see that working great for you my friend because i know as you mentioned before the client model just wasn't a fit whereas this you're working with people that are like-minded that value the same things so i can imagine this just lights you up every day yeah it does it does cool, man. um i don't think i've been i you know i know that it's probably not cool to say but um i've been i've been doing better in the pandemic than i have in a long time no that is cool to say i think it's an inspiration to everyone for what's possible when we talk about future of work i think some of us should think about what it's like to go back to the office you know before this all went down but i think a lot of us owe it to ourselves to think about how can we serve our country the economy uh, the local business environment and ourselves and our families by creating something of your own. I think it's never felt more possible and it's never felt more important. So what you're doing is, is such a shining example of that, which is why I wanted to have you on the show. My last question for you is when you kick back and you're gazing at the stars, thinking about this obsession of yours, what are some of the things that you think might be coming next? Hmm. Um, wow. Uh, you know, I, I think for us, um, we wanna we wanna build we wanna build tension out um, so that we can we can create a process that we can we can help um, our own employees deliver the same kind of value, um, sort of institutionalize the the obsession. Um, I don't know how to do that yet, to be honest. Um, well, that's the fun but part. It's something that we're trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's 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 something that's tremendous, tremendously interesting to us. And and you know, back of the mind that that software software as a service product is something that that we're always we're always toying with. It's just you know, right now as we're as we're in this state of growth, um, until we hit a couple more peaks and valleys um, in that uh, in that growth model. Um, it's just, it doesn't, it's not something that we can focus on, but it's always in the back of our mind because, um, you know, it's, it's formed the foundation of a lot of how we approach work, uh, at tension. And, and that's, that's something that we feel would be a very different way that we can bring value to the market, um, without having to, you know, get engaged with every single client out there. Um, there are some, some really interesting built-in kind of models that, that, uh, are unique um, that could that, that could help customers, but that's you know right now we're 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 a hundred percent laser focused on um, helping the clients that we're we're uh, supporting right now, um, building outstanding products and um, trying to use that as as our stepping to stepping stones to just not I wouldn't say bigger projects, just more awesome. Um, early stage products that, that, that really, you know, light the fire, get us up in the morning and, you know, make it hard for us to shut down in the evening. Well, that's um, so, that's so not, important. Yeah. Not in a bad yeah, way. I, 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 I want to say. say like, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not, not in a bad way. It's just, 
I don't want to stop. Wow. I, when you hear that, I wish that for every person listening, that you understood, you know, the, the difference between coming home and going, this sucks. I hate what I do. I used to get up. There were days when I was working for in the client model before I met you, where I would get up in the morning and be like, if I got hit by a car today, I could take the day off. It was that bad. It was like, what could I do that will probably be wow. really unpleasant, but would be better than going into a job where there's no fulfillment, there's no meaning for me. So what you've done is remarkable, my friend. And I, there's there's also some really cool future conversations because one of my obsessions right now is building those vertical models, but also building tribe is something I have a little experience with. So when you talk about how to spread obsession uh, as a cultural thing so that it can become a discipline thing, like a, a practice, if it were, those would be great conversations to have with you. So I know we'll be working on some things in the future, and I'd love to invite you to, you know, jump on when we do these panels or have these conversations. Uh, it'd be great to have you I'd there. I'd love that. Anytime. And please feel welcome. Anytime you want to come back on this show, come on and have a chat, because it's such a pleasure to chat with you. And your world, I know so little about that I'm always learning from you, and I appreciate that so much. But most of all, I got to tell you, Everyone needs someone in their life who's truly happy for them when they're successful. And I got to tell you, to see you happy, it means the world to me, man. Like, I just love what you've built here. How can people find you? If people need some of this fractional UX, which I think everyone does, how can they get hold of you? You know, what are your coordinates? We'll post them in the show notes as well. Yeah. Uh, well, first off, thank you, Chris. Um, uh, I, you know, I've, I've loved working with you and, and, um, your energy is is phenomenal um, and, and just changes um, a work environment when you're around. Um, so I, for you to say that you're happy for me is because I'm happy means means so much to me. Oh, thanks. Um, uh, you know, for to, to get in touch with uh, myself, um, you know, we're, we're online at uh, wearetension.com. Um, my email address is uh, is adam at wearetension.com. Um, and yeah, uh, send either an email or, or shoot us a drop us drop by our website and um, give us a call. Um, yeah, we'd be happy to talk about anything. Uh, I mean, this is this is our this is our passion. So we're always open to, to, to have discussions and find opportunities where we can help uh, companies create more value and, and, and more purpose in, in the products that they that they deliver. That's awesome. And I think that one of the most fun things you and I can do is meet again in the future on this format and talk about how that obsession has catapulted you forward. Because I, I truly believe that it's the difference maker. So I can't wait to check you out even in a couple of months. But uh, Adam, thank you so much for your time. I'm so happy to see you. I'm always happy to see you. Let's do more things together. And friends, please check these guys out. If there's anyone that you hear of that is contemplating investing in proper UXCX, don't give these guys a pass. Wearetention.com, my friend, Adam Smith. Wonderful to see you, sir. Thank you so much, Chris. Now that's some good chat. I hope you enjoyed meeting Adam, and I hope you learned a few things about the future of design consulting in this challenging and rapidly changing economy. You can find Adam at adam at wearetention.com. The links are in the show notes below. Thank you for joining us. I hope to see you very soon.